Listen, all you New Yorkers. Hello. I hope no one's eating dinner. Something like that. What's up, everybody? It's 10 o'clock on Monday night, which means it's time for the next best thing. Dear Jesus. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, and I'll be with you for the next two hours. Well, get ready. Don't go anywhere. We have a great, 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 great show lined up for you tonight. I can't even contain myself. But before we get to any of that, we'd like to kick the show off by doing what we always do, and that is review all of the great and the not-so-great things that have happened on... This Day in History. Today is February 20th, and on this day in history, in 1792, President George Washington signed the Postal Service Act that created the U.S. Post Office. On this day in 1809, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled the power of the federal government was greater than that of any individual state. On this day in 1839, the U.S. Congress prohibited dueling in the District of Columbia, but only there you could do it anywhere else. On this day in 1872, the Metropolitan Museum of Art opened right here in New York City. On this day in 1872, same day, same year, Silas Noble and J.P. Cooley patented the toothpick manufacturing machine. On this day in 1880, the American Bell Company was incorporated. What the hell is that? No one knows. No one cares. On this day in 1901, the first territorial legislature of Hawaii convened. Once again, not a clue. Don't care. On this day in 1931, the U.S. Congress allowed California to build the Oakland Bay Bridge. Huge historical event. On this day in 1933, the U.S. House of Representatives repealed prohibition. On this day in 1952, Emmett L. Ashford became the first black umpire in organized baseball when he was authorized to be a substitute in the Southwestern International League. On this day in 1958, Buddy Holly's album, Buddy Holly, was released by Coral Records. This was his first solo album officially. On this day in 1962, John Glenn made space history when he orbited the world three times in four hours and 55 minutes. He was the first American to orbit the Earth. On this day in 1987, a bomb exploded in a computer store in Salt Lake City, Utah. The blast was blamed on the Unabomber. There was only one of them. On this day in 1998, American Tara Lipinski at age 15 became the youngest gold medalist in Winter Olympics history when she won the ladies figure skating title at Nagano, Japan. And lastly, but certainly not least, in 2001, on this day, February 20th, FBI agent Robert Philip Hansen was arrested and charged with spying for the Russians for, get this, 15 years. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it, folks? Some things never change. Sometimes aren't a changing. That's what happened on this day in history. And who knows? Perhaps we'll make history right here tonight on Radio Free Brooklyn and be studied for years to come. But probably not. You're listening to The Next Best Thing. I'm John Lerner. Stay tuned. Let's do this. You got the next best thing. Whatever you were looking for on this Monday night, whatever you wanted to listen to, you found the next best thing. I'm your host, John B. Lerner, 
every Monday night from 10 to midnight right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. I hope you've all had a wonderful week. It is President's Day. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to have to tell you that. But I hope you got a day off out of it. I, of course, did not. What was the most recent holiday? Oh, yes, it was Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I'm sure most of you had that off, too. I did not. So you can all go screw yourselves. But I'm happy that you have the day off because that's what I really care about. Screw me. I hear, I'm here for you. I care about you. You know what? We have a jam-packed show for you tonight, so we really can't waste a whole lot of time. I don't have a whole lot of anecdotes for you. They, it was a beautiful day today, and it was an even more beautiful day yesterday. It got up to like 67 degrees. It felt like it was, it felt like it was a beautiful spring day. Little did we know it's still February, the second month of death. That's right. I said it, and I'll say it again. The second month of death. But you know what? We're almost home free. We've gotten through this together, and we will get through it together, right? To be honest with you because I'm always honest with you. I was as I was walking to the studio tonight, I realized that while I'm excited to be through January and February, it kind of is mind-boggling to think that it's already March. Already almost March. Where did the first two months of this year go? Look, if it gets to be the middle of the year and we're on the downward side of 2017 and I still haven't accomplished, let's see, anything that's not going to be a good thing. Not for you, not for me, certainly not for me. But that's neither here nor there. All right. Tonight, we have a great, fun, uplifting show put together. And I'm not being sarcastic, if you can believe it. It is a show that I am very excited about because it celebrates not just a period of great music, great movies, great TV shows, but really the most innocent, imaginative youthful time in my entire life. When I think of decades, I think of, well, a lot, well, I think of every decade, the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Those don't mean a lot to me because I wasn't around for any of them, except for the very tail end of the 80s. So when I think of the best decade I've been around for, oh yes, there's only one. Oh my God, they killed Kenny! You bastards! So you think you're a 90s fan? Okay, darling, can you deal with this? It's I Love the 90s. Jewel, it's so amazing. The flicks, the fashions, the trends. I'm off to Ascot. The TV, the tunes. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. The kick-ass year that gave us these burning questions. How long could you keep your Tamagotchi alive? Mine without stealing leukemia and we, we had to put it down and did the spice girls totally miss the point if you want to be my lover if you're gonna be my lover you have to get with my friends wait a minute no no that's not how it works the answers to those questions plus because you love the 90s because you're lucky the cops never found your altar to that little handsome boy admit it no What's up? You have selected. I love 90s. I love 90s. I love 90s. Oh, hell yes. I do love the 90s, and so do you, I assume, because if you don't, well, you're brain dead. 
Oh my God, the decade that we all really came of age. The decade that answered that age-old question. Does anyone really know? I mean, what if God was one of us? I mean, we asked the question in the 90s. Did anyone ever get an answer? No! All right. Truly the 90s. I mean, truly the decade for one-hit wonders. I mean, for example, Meredith Brooks. Who is she? Exactly. Well, I can tell you she randomly showed up in 1997 just to let everyone know. I'm a Well, that was delightful, and then she completely vanished from public consciousness, never to be heard from again. What is she doing now? I probably should have looked it up, because I really don't know, and I don't really care. Who does care? All we know is she's a bitch. She's a lover. She's a child. She's a mother. And that's beautiful. You know, it was the age in which we all saw the sign, did the Macarena, and learned that we should not go chasing waterfalls. More than anything, though, we learned that it's something unpredictable, and, you know, in the end, it's right. I hope you had the time of your life, because I certainly did in the 90s. I hope that doesn't sound sad, because I was probably, what, age like 2 to 10 in the 90s? So if that was the best time of my life, what does that say about the, oh, I don't know, 20 years since? <laughs> oh, God. Well, whatever. Not the point. If you, at any point throughout this show, hear or feel like there was something you, I'm forgetting, or something that you want to contribute as far as what made the 90s so great, or I guess possibly not so great for you, feel free to tweet at us. We're at Next Best Radio. All right, so let's see. What, what about the 90s was so great? Please, what about the 90s wasn't so great? First of all, a Clinton was president. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, uplifting. A Clinton was president. Um, well, yeah, that was great. All right, let's start with television, shall we? I know that Cartoon Network exists nowadays, and I know that there are some popular shows on that network, but, you know, there's Adult Swim, Cartoon Network, Teen Titans Go, I guess is really popular if you're 12 or younger, and if you're 12 or above and you love that show, okay, well, you probably go to Comic-Con and live for that stuff, fine, no, no big deal, but when it came to cartoons and, you know, animated stuff, children's programming back in the 90s, there was one channel that everyone turned to, and there was no question about it. What was that? Oh, I think you know what it was. My God, most of my childhood was spent watching Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon, that is. 
from Rugrats to Rocco's Modern Life, great show. Rin and Stimpy, Clarissa Explains It All. Let's see, Hey Arnold came a little later. Ah, Real Monsters, not a fan of that show, but whatever, it was there. Oh, and how could one possibly forget this show? Let me think. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Don't act like you don't know it. Iconic. That song alone is iconic. How weird was that show? You know, to be honest, I think maybe I still try and write in a journal fairly often. That might be an homage to Doug Funny. Dear journal. No, I, no, that's not true. I don't actually start any anything I ever write. I never start it with dear journal. And I don't really think a whole lot about Doug Funny, to be perfectly honest. But you know what? It was a great weird show. Think of all the characters in that show. His best friend, Skeeter, was totally purple. <laughs> hey, dog. His, uh, Roger Klotz was green with weird, weird-ass hair. Uh, the girl of his dreams, Patty Mayonnaise, who apparently had an accent that no one around her had. I don't know, maybe she grew up somewhere else. Everyone was a weird, weird, weird-looking. And the biggest band they had ever heard of, the only band they had ever heard of, The Beats, singing about, We need more allowance. Don't act like you don't remember that. I know you do. Uh, but you know what? If there was one show, if I had to pick one show from old Nickelodeon that was my favorite of all time, and still to this day I could probably sit and watch and enjoy just as much as I did back then, well, there's no there's no question about it. And I think it should be pretty obvious, considering every now and then we do scary movie reviews on here. If that didn't give it away, then I just don't know what to do with you. <laughs> So, are you afraid of the dark? I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society. <laughs> the tale of the crappy radio host. Uh, great show. And by the way, there were some huge stars in that show. Nev Campbell, and I know there were a lot of others. I just, oh, Tia and Tamara Maori, that guy who played Dr. Vink. You remember with a v v v. There was there were two actors, two adult male actors who played like six parts between the, the two of them. One was Doctor Vink, who everyone would call Doctor Fink or something, and he'd say it's Doctor Vink with a v v v. The big fat guy with the you know long beard and big hair. And then there was the other guy who was uh, Mister Sardo. That's Sardo. No Mister. Accent on the dough. You know who I'm talking about. Great show, and there were big stars in that show who um, really got their start in that show, which brings me to my, um, 
All right, so let's get away from Nickelodeon. There were some... I used to say the 90s was kind of like the golden age for the American sitcom. Mm, No, not so much. And I'll tell you why. While there were a lot of great sitcoms on during the 90s, if you ever go back and watch some of them nowadays, you will... They're hard to sit through. The acting is just, how do I put this? Horrible. Horrible. And not only that, but the situations are laughably stupid. Having said that, I loved them all, especially this one. Whatever happened to predictability? The milkman, the paperboy, evening TV. All right, in case you don't know, that was the theme song to Full House, obviously. Full House, I mean, that was basically can be summed up with two words. Hugging and learning. Every episode, something went wrong, something stupid went wrong for one of the kids. They got into some shenanigans. One of the men in the house, Danny Tanner, Joey Gladstone, Jesse Gonsopolis, found out about it, went up to their bedroom, said, Deej, don't you know you can always come to me and ask for help? I'm always here for you, Deej. And then they'd cry, Hug, learn, end of episode, until tomorrow when the whole thing happens again. Um, I loved it. I'm not going to lie. I loved it. And guess who got their start in that show? Besides, you know, Candace Cameron Bure, who spent a few days on The View before she got thrown off for sucking. The the Dolson twins, Mary-Kate and Ashley, who are now, by the way, so let's talk about a Full House for a second. That was a show very much of its time, just like all the other shows we're going to talk about tonight. The acting was bad. The situations were phony. Everyone loved it because no one gave a crap about anything like that. But it was of its time. What the hell is going on with this Fuller House bull crap? I mean, not only does does Fuller House exist on Netflix, but it is the exact same. It is the same stupid phony situations. It is the same bad acting. It is the same corny as hell jokes for Danny Tanner and Joey. Danny Tanner is still obsessed with cleaning. Joey Gladstone is still walking around imitating Popeye. And Jesse, and you know what? I would only know that. I can't say I, I've watched it, but all right, I'll admit it. I watched the first episode just to see if they made any changes. And they made a few changes. The set's barely different. Obviously, they're older now. And, oh God, the weirdest change that they made to that show was... Stephanie Tanner, the middle daughter. I mean, in the one episode I watched, she probably made six weird, awkward, sexual remarks. What? No! Sexual remarks, like about her big tits and about her, you know, I don't even, like her, you know, one night stands. Can you, what? Think about that. Full house, exactly as you remember it back in the early 90s, with, like, sex jokes. It was like, oh, God, I felt very awkward. And then, in the one episode I watched, the most amusing part to me, and it wasn't like a, it was was an instant, was there was a point in the show when they referenced Michelle, you know, the part that Mary-Kate and Ashley used to split. Well, they said something about, okay, so if you don't know the story, they put this whole Netflix reunion thing together. I guess uh, 
Uh, John Stamos is the executive producer or something like that. I don't know. Something like that. But they put the whole thing together and everyone was coming back. It was all great. You know, everyone was going to reprise their roles. And I guess the Olsen twins, they did make one mistake. They, um, someone asked them about it on an interview that made its way to the internet and made its way on the air. And they should have either just said, oh, we don't know anything about it. Or said, oh, yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know. Or they should have just been like, don't ask us that question. But they did do one interview in which someone asked them about it. And they said like, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe we'd like to do it. Um, We haven't really heard from anybody. Uh, We don't know anything about it. It was very awkward, their answer. They sh- and, you know, so it gave people hope or whatever. Gave public hope that they would do it. They were never, ever, ever, ever going to do it. Why? Uh, Because unlike anyone else on that show, other than maybe Bob Saget a little bit, they actually have a life. They have a career. They have a whole career outside of Full House. Yes, they made those movies. Yes, they had their dual star entertainment. Yes, they had all their product lines and whatever. But now they actually like have a fashion line. They are designers and businesswomen. They are successful young women. They don't want to go back to California and replay this silly, you know, frou-frou part that they did in the 90s, which is, I'm not trying to bash the show. Hello, the only reason we even brought it up is because it was one of my favorites, really. One of the shows I watched every day after school. But to think that they would just kind of like up and abandon their whole life, and they do have a life, a very busy life, I imagine. I just think that was naive. But there was a moment in the uh, one episode I watched of Fuller House in which they referenced Michelle and then they all turn to the camera, break the fourth wall and stare at it like, yeah, too good for us, you little bitches. All right. Well, hey, here we are. Yeah. All right. Little bitches. I thought that was funny and funny in the sense that once again, I just thought to myself, hello, they were never going to come back. I mean, they were probably hoping to God that the, the the thing never got green lit so that they didn't even have to even be asked about it. They didn't even have to have the option of going back because they were never going to go back. I'm sorry to tell you. I'm sorry, Full House, but it's just true. Okay. Moving right along. Another show that I loved and watched because it was on after school and that's what I did. I put my backpack down in the coat room ate a bowl of cereal, and went to the television. I watched Full House, and of course... Now, if you want to talk about... Alright, I don't... I mean, I loved the show. I think Kelly Kapowski was hot as hell. Still is. I think Zach Morris was great looking. Still is. Zach Morris, Mark Paul Gossler, he is like a Rob Lowe type, where if you see him nowadays, he looks... That show ended in like 1996 or 7. He looks like he's aged maybe half a year or one year. Looking great, guys. Looking great. What's your secret? But... The point is, in Save by the Bell, if you ever see any episodes nowadays, 
the situations, the acting is bad, but whatever. They were never going to win Oscars or Emmys for that. But the situations are hilariously stupid. I mean, for example, the most famous episode probably ever when Jesse Spano somehow gets addicted to caffeine pills. Pills? You mean you really are taking drugs? I need them. Jesse, give me those. I need them back. I have to sing. Jesse, you can't sing tonight. Yes, I can. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. Jesse, Jesse. All right, first of all, <laughs> oh, good times. Good times and great oldies. Uh, first of all, that whole that whole thing, that whole uh, scenario plays out over like five days. If you remember, Jessie has to study for, you know, some big exams coming up. She also has to sing and some, I don't know, performance they're doing. And she's really stressed out. So she takes these caffeine pills. I mean, caffeine pills of all things to stay awake and study and apparently gets hooked. He becomes addicted within like a four-day period. Impossible. Um, and she's hooked on these caffeine pills. Impossible. And suddenly it's a huge problem and she's so excited and she's so scared. Oh, God. And I guess she goes to rehab and is fixed. But come on. I mean, that's, that is hilarious. If you're going to make an episode like that, more power to you. But hello. I mean, I know it was the 90s, but didn't they have anything real? Uh, caffeine pills are not addictive. Caffeine pills, if you took too many of them, would just make you feel sick. I mean, give her, I don't know, give her Adderall. Give her cocaine. Give her something that someone could get addicted to. All right. That's just my advice. I know that's probably why I was not the showrunner. I'm so excited. So am I. So am I. So am I. All right. But you know what? When it comes to Full House and um, Saved by the Bell, and really any of these shows, Family Matters, great show, really all those were, to me, and keep in mind, like, I get it. I get that if you were born in, like, 82 or any time earlier than that, the 90s meant something totally different than they did, some totally different to you than they did to me. I was born at the very tail end of the 80s. So the 90s to me were elementary school and kind of just really forming a brain, forming a memory. But that said, when I came home, threw my backpack down, had some cereal, and went to the television, yes, I watched Full House. Yes, I sat through Saved by the Bell. But really, the only reason I did that was so that I could get to the one show that I really cared about, the one show that I really wanted to watch every single day, without fail, wouldn't miss it, loved the crap out of it, and I still do. All right, now I guess I should clarify here, since I'm all about clarity. Yes, I was obsessed with the Power Rangers, but back in my day, you had to... I don't know why this was, because I even knew it at the time as a six-year-old, as a seven-year-old. We, all of my friends, loved the Power Rangers. In fact, we were all almost obsessed with them, probably no one more so than me. 
But for some reason, it was not cool to like them. And so everyone had to lie about it. I never understood that even at the time, but I guess I guess that was just some stupid stigma. But guess who broke that? Guess who broke that stigma? Oh yeah, it was me. I said, screw you guys, I'm having a seventh birthday party, and the theme is Power Rangers. Not only that, but after that birthday party, no one denied it anymore. So thank you, I'm a trendsetter. Thank you, I broke that seal, and we could all admit that we love the goddamn Power Rangers. My other story about the Power Rangers very quickly. I had a very active imagination growing up. Um, I was the youngest of five kids, and so... I uh, I don't know. I guess I needed to make things up for attention. I once told my first grade class that we were adopting a Chinese baby, and they believed me, and it was only revealed that that wasn't true when they asked my mother if she would come in to talk to us about it because they thought it would be a great multicultural thing. Whoops. Embarrassing. Uh, but I convinced my friends that... Well, here's the thing. Whenever we would play Power Rangers, once we finally broke that seal and were allowed to admit that we liked the Power Rangers, they all were always like, oh, I'll be the Red Ranger. I want to be the Green Ranger. I'm going to be the Blue Ranger, whatever like that. And I thought to myself, what are you guys, nuts? I don't want to replace a Power Ranger. I want to actually be a Power Ranger. I want to join the squad. So I had to come up with my own. And given there was already a red, blue, yellow pink, black, and green, and white, you know, depending on which season and which episode you were watching, watching, I only thought, well, that leaves purple or orange. Orange is hideous. I'm going to be the Purple Ranger. And I convinced my friends that I was actually going to play the new Purple Ranger. I was like seven years old. And they believed me. They believed me. And I kind of almost convinced myself, to be perfectly honest. But my only point is, I was so into them that I was seriously like, I thought maybe I could play the, the, um, Maybe I could be a new Power Ranger. Okay, now, here's the thing. I loved the Power Rangers so much, and I loved that first movie they made, the Power Rangers movie with Ivan Ooze and all the original Rangers and whatnot. Anything after that lost me. And now, if I mean, now if you Google Power Rangers, there's like Power Rangers Zeo, Power Rangers Alien, Power Rangers Ugachaka, Power Rangers Thunder, Power Rangers... I don't even know. There's like 50 trillion um, renditions of the Power Rangers, and they're all different, and they don't interest me. But I did notice, I couldn't help but notice, in the second film they made, one of the plot lines was some kid who was younger than the rest of them kind of caught wind that they might be, the group of teenagers might be the Power Rangers, and was taken under their wing and became a Power Ranger. They stole that from my imagination, and it should have been me, goddammit. It should have been me. Not kidding. They stole that from me, and I want, I, that should have been me. Moving right along. Okay, so those are those TV shows that I really cared about. I really watched in the 90s. I know there were so many others. For example, The Nanny. I didn't watch The Nanny. I couldn't care less about The Nanny, but... It was very popular in the 90s, and so we're going to... I'll let some other people explain it, just briefly. Fran Drescher plays the nanny. I'm a girl. I'm a nanny. It is both extraordinarily abrasive and gay. Honey, are you good? 
Jeff. She was a nanny who was in love with uh, with the, the dad of the house. Take off that uniform. Mr. Sheffield. He was from the wrong side of the tracks. He was like English and everything. Oh, it's crazy. How could we possibly have a nanny who is from Brooklyn and Mr. Sheffield who's not? Oh, boy, do you have gorgeous tchotchkes. Uh, beg your pardon. Oh, God, it was hysterical. There was a trend in the 90s for being very coffee talk, you know, long nails, very long island. It was very popular. Pretending to be sort of Jewish or Italian. You like? I borrowed it from my cousin, Miss Long Island, 1989. Hey, Fran Drescher were my nanny. I, well, I'd give her a lozenge. <laughs> I'm the nanny. <laughs> You want to put her on mute sometimes and then go, ooh, she's hot, but she's a good-looking woman. Aye. She's a great character actress, but, like, I, I, I don't want to wake up to that, you know, Hello. which is awkward because we have slept together. Yeah, I don't understand. That's funny. I didn't watch that show at all, but Fran Drescher, man, that she, I remember there was a movie that came out in the 90s called The Beautician and the Beast. She played pretty much the nanny. And I remember there was a commercial for it in which he said, oh, it is so dark in this castle. And my mom thought it was hysterical, obnoxious, and she still says it to this day when trying to imitate, you know, someone from New York. Oh, my God. I can't believe you're over here. Honey, please. Okay. Well, Fran Drescher apparently is a smart lady, but, you know, she'll, in my mind, probably always be typecast as, you know, that kind of... <laughs> Sorry, pardon me. Sound effects. I do sound effects. Did you not notice? All right. We can't move on from television of the 90s without talking about a very, you know, there are a lot of animated shows that are staples in the American landscape. The Simpsons, of course. But that started in the, not, in the excuse me, that started in the 80s. Uh, Family Guy started in the early 2000s. What started in the 90s? I believe it was 1997. I was in the fourth grade. It was a new cartoon show that was really, you know, it really pushed the line. It was kind of inappropriate. It was about these fourth graders that, from Colorado or something, and they used foul language in the, you know, it was the situations were a little inappropriate for such young kids. It was a huge smash hit. My cousin loved it. One of my best friends in elementary school became obsessed with it. So kind of the opposite effect as the Power Rangers. This was something that not only was it cool to like, but you had to pretend you liked it even if you didn't know anything about it. I didn't mind South Park. Um, it wasn't my favorite show, but people in my grade, good friends of mine, thought it was so hilarious and it became such the rage that I had to partake as much as possible. And I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. You know what I enjoy a lot about South Park more than anything? A, it's use of current events. It takes humor from what's going on in the news, what's going on in the world, just like we do here on The Next Best Thing. But also their use of music. If you saw their movie, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, it is a great movie musical. And if I had to pick a song that they've come up with over the years, and they've come up with many, 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 well, one stands out without question. Damn it! 
You guys, this is all Kyle's mom's fault. Shut up, Cartman. Kyle's mom is the one that started that damn club, and all because she's a big, fat, stupid bitch. Don't say it, Cartman. Wait. Don't do it, Cartman. Wait. I'm warning you. Okay, okay. I'm getting pretty sick of him calling my mom. Wait. Kyle's mom's a bitch. She's a big, fat bitch. She's the biggest bitch in the whole wide world. She's a stupid bitch. She's a bad boy. She's a bitch. She's a bitch to all the boys and girls. That is a showstopper if I've ever heard a showstopper in my life. And I've heard plenty, I've heard many, and that is one. Written, you know, that show was created and still is written by the same guys who came up with Book of Mormon, did that, wrote that, and that was a huge hit. They're very smart guys, and it's a good show, still running strong to this day. Catch it on Comedy Central. Whenever the hell it's on, I wouldn't know. All right, you're listening to The Next Best Thing on Radio Free Brooklyn, and we are having a great time tonight. Yes, that's right. Tonight's episode, I Love the 90s. And we're going to finish up the first hour here by, uh, you know, running through a few products that might make you think, oh my God, the 90s. Where's Waldo? Yes! Uh, Beanie Babies. Beanie Babies. Now, this was another thing I didn't understand. Why the hell were we allowed to pretend... Were we allowed to like... I mean, good friends of mine, the best guys on the basketball team and baseball team and football team collected Beanie Babies like it was their job. My best friend had a shitload of Beanie Babies, and we just actually met up uh, last December around the holidays... And we got together at a, you know, a local bar, and we were talking, and I actually mentioned these Beanie Babies, and he still has them! What? We're like, hello, we're in our late 20s. Now, I think they're in storage, but that's not even the point, okay? The point is, why were we not allowed to like the Power Rangers, but these guys could collect Beanie Babies? I don't understand, goddammit! Didn't make sense. Didn't make sense. But you know what? I didn't collect Beanie Babies. I had one Beanie Baby. One. And I stole it from my sister. And the only reason I even cared to take it was because apparently it was the cool thing. Beanie Babies. Tamagotchi. Never had one, but I know everyone else did. How long could you keep your Tamagotchi alive? Nobody cares. Furbies. My sister got a Furby for Christmas in probably 1998. And they were all the rage, folks. They were all the rage. I em- we em- my whole family immediately hated it. A, it didn't do anything. And B, when it did wake up and start making noises, 
It was gibberish. It was obnoxious. It was obnoxious. Tybo. I loved it. Oh my God. I did love Tybo. And I remember this came out when I was probably in like the sixth grade. And I remember I'd have friends over and we would watch it and rewind. Rewind because it was a VHS tape. Remember those? VHS tapes. Yes, those used to exist. Uh, Tybo and Rewind was the, I, it's probably totally stupid, but back then it was the funniest thing we had ever seen. Oh, you're so funny. <laughs> All right, what else in the 90s? Well, we're talking about products. Where's Waldo, Beanie Babies, Tamagotchis, Furbies? Well, if I had to, if I had to name the one product, the single biggest craze of the entire decade, I don't think it would be the Furby. It wouldn't be the Tamagotchi. Oh my God, it would have to be something that I, I, I even then, I just didn't understand. A little more than a week until Christmas, there's a frenzied rush nationwide to buy Tickle Me Elmo, this season's hottest toy. For kids, if you didn't have no damn Tickle Me Elmo, you wasn't none. This is a toy of the Sesame Street character Elmo, and when you touch it in just the right way, it, it giggles. Parents would go to extraordinary lengths to get their children a toy that asked strangers to tickle him and would occasionally go into a seizure. There's no biting, kicking, scratching, pushing, shoving, and no pulling hair. The first mother to crawl across the finish line gets a Tickle Me Elmo in this radio station promotion. People were auctioning these things off. On eBay, they were in the newspaper. Sick, wench-ass were getting them and then selling them to desperate parents for hundreds of dollars. How effed up is that? Well, if you're having trouble getting a Tickle Me Elmo doll, perhaps you're just unlucky. Unlike one New Yorker, John Gotti Jr. walked out of a Toys R Us store with a box full of the Elmos. Tickle Me Elmo was one of the things that made me really hate the 90s. Shut up! <laughs> okay, shut up! Not even specifically Tickle Me Elmo, but just Elmo altogether. <laughs> okay, I can't agree with him there. I love Elmo. I always loved Elmo. How could you not love Elmo? But that toy, I wanted to blow up with dynamite. <laughs> and I was of age. I could, have, I could have wanted that toy for Christmas. But no, I wanted to blow it up with dynamite. All it did was... And have a seizure. I didn't need that. I had other toys. And my nephew, as any smart young child, loves Elmo. Thank God those Tickle Me Elmos are not popular to this day. Because if they were, well, I don't know. Thank God I don't live with them. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Next Best Thing right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, every Monday night from 10 to midnight. And by all means, if you enjoy what you hear, if you want to support your local radio or this show in particular, which would be even better, go to rfb.nyc slash nbt. That's rfb.nyc slash nbt. 
and it'll take you to our show page. You can scroll down, hit sponsor this show, and come up with a recurring donation that will really change your life. It'll change our lives, and we will there, in part, change yours. All right, we'll be right back to celebrate the music of the 90s. Calling Collect. You've got options. You can dial zero like this guy. Hi, Mommy. I rode on the plane all by myself. Did I mention you'll be charged as much as you possibly can for this call? Or you can dial 1-800-COLLECT. Here's how it works. Dial 1-800-COLLECT. Yeah, I just saved you some cash. You're welcome. Love you. Called Mom Collect, huh? You know, you could have saved up to 44% by dialing 1-800-COLLECT. Can you find it in your heart to forgive me? This is the next best thing. Don't go. All right, and we're back celebrating, remembering, loving the 90s. So we spent most of the first hour talking about television and culture, and um, we're going to get to the music. We're going to focus on the music here in the second hour, but Calling Collect, do you not remember? There were commercials for 1-800-COLLECT all the time. 1-800-C-O-L-L-E-C-T with um, the guy who played Al Bundy. There were some commercials with uh, Mr. T. Uh, I pity the fool who don't die 1-800-COLLECT. And there were some with Major Payne. Uh, Major Payne, uh, one of the Wayne's brothers, who was like, Hey, girly boy, when you down 1-800-COLLECT, save your buck, save a buck or two, or whatever. I don't really, can't do an imitation of him, because believe it or not, I didn't watch that movie. But, 1-800-COLLECT. Whatever happened to 1-800-COLLECT? Hell if I know. All right, well, that's culture. That's kind of culture. You know, in the 90s, I think I feel like every every year of the 90s had some kind of scandalous event I mean, in 1990, well, slap bracelets were all the rage, but Dr. Kevorkian had that assisted suicide scandal, which was, looking back, a little crazy. In 1991, no, I mean it was a little crazy that people were so psychotic about the fact that this doctor was trying to help people, you know, not suffer and not have so much pain anymore. Uh-oh, am I going to be attacked? Go ahead and tweet at us, Next Best Radio. In 1991, Pee Wee Herman was caught masturbating. <laughs> And it completely destroyed his career until, like, the last two years when he has finally been able to come crawling back and produce some new shit, um, some new stuff, pardon me. Uh, but, hello, he was gone for, like, 20 years or so. I mean, it really took a toll. 1992, Woody Allen married his stepdaughter. Gross. 1993, Crystal Pepsi came and went. And there was the Waco Siege. Siege. 1994, Tanya Harding versus Nancy Kerrigan. Oh, I don't think I need to remind you what that was about. Tanya Harding, her husband, I guess, had some goon hit Nancy Kerrigan in the shin with a steel rod right before the Olympics. Oh, boy. Also, that same year, 1994, is when the O.J. Simpson saga started. That was a slow-speed chase. It was just a crazy year. A very crazy year. But you know what? It's time to focus on what brought us joy. And that was all of the music of the 90s, which truly, I said this at the beginning of the show, and I meant it, and I'm going to say it again. I think this, more than any other decade, was the decade of the one-hit wonders. When I think of all of the best songs from the 90s, they're almost all one-hit wonders. And they're all so identifiable. Listen to this. Not a word, and I get—I can tell you who sings it, 
what movie it's from, probably the year around in which it came out. But I can't tell you whatever happened to that artist. Coolio, man, where the hell did he go? Remember his hair? That was great. But yeah, Gangsta's Paradise, one-hit wonder. I love you always forever. Meredith Brooks, I'm a bitch, I'm a lover, and I'm now irrelevant. Mbop. Let's talk about Mbop for just a second, shall we? Now, obviously, the title of that song, Mbop, is not a word, it's gibberish. So, we get it. They're scatting. They're making stuff up. But listen, listen, I was, uh, as I was kind of gathering material for this show and revisiting some of these big hits from the 90s, I listened to this song, and um, I'm pretty sure you're, there's supposed to be some English words in this song. Listen to the beginning. See if you can understand a single word. Seriously, what the hell did you just say? I mean, okay, the only word I recognized in not that whole first stanza was a kind of a slurred version of O. Let's try again, okay? What? Nope, not a clue. Let me read you those lyrics. Oh, 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 yeah. You have so many relationships in this life, only one or two will last. You go through all the pain and strife, then you turn your back and they're gone so fast. You go through all the pain and Oh, yeah. That's what that was supposed to say. Can you get that from this? Actually, you know what? Enjoy it. All right, well, yeah. Fun song, catchy song, huge hit. Seriously, besides those lyrics I read to you, not a clue. Not a clue. But whatever. Now, if I played that much of Umbop, I have to give the same respect to my man Coolio. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Cause I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. But Now, if I am, if we're talking about one-hit wonders, 
there was recently a one-hit wonder by a, I believe, a Korean fellow named Psy. Yes, I know you must know exactly what it is, Gangnam Style. Now, there was a accompanying dance in a video that went along with the song, Whoopum Gangnam Style. And people loved it. It was a huge craze for maybe three or four months. Tops. People really were more into the um, the music video than they were the actual song or the dance. Okay, I will never forget being on the subway one day, and I was heading home from work, and I actually heard someone who looked about my age. I mean, maybe they were a little younger because they said something so stupid. I just wanted to drop kick them in the neck right then and there. Guess what it was? Okay, don't guess. I'll tell you. They said, yeah, I mean, this new Gangnam Style is like the new Macarena. What? What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What? I'm going to say it again. What? The Macarena took over the nation. It took the nation by storm and it lasted uh, two years. I mean, every wedding, every bar mitzvah, every bat mitzvah, every family reunion, every basketball game, football game, baseball game, the Democratic National Convention, they famously did the Macarena. The Macarena was a worldwide phenomenon, and it lasted a very long time, and people still think back on it fondly. Size Gangnam Style, don't insult my Macarena. Feel free, feel free to get on up and do the dance. You know, you know it. Okay, now, I, again, was born in the very, very late 80s. So when I hear that song, I think of two things, really one in particular. One is being at the Royals games. I'm from Kansas City. Being at a Royals game and every sixth or seventh inning, we were up on our feet doing the Macarena. You know, the dance and we do it and we do it. Other, but my real memory of the Macarena is elementary school skating parties. Did you have skating parties? We'd have like four or five a year on a Friday night. And they were, they were the social events of the season for elementary school in the Kansas City area. So much fun. We would wait for the limbo. We would wait for Cotton Eye Joe or something. And we would all wait for the Macarena. Not to mention, we would all wait for couple skating because that was as close as we got to anything in any form of, you know, touching each other. 
uh, holding hands while skating around on rollerblades. Oh, yes, it was so romantic. The Macarena was a worldwide global sensation, and it always will be remembered fondly. Hey, Macarena! You know what else will always be remembered fondly? I told you if I had to think of a single product to kind of encapsulate the 90s, I guess it would be Tickle Me Elmo, but there's also Beanie Babies, Tamagotchis, and whatnot. There's really only one movie to represent the 90s. There's no question about it. Do you know what it is? Because if you don't, then you're just, you don't. Okay, here's, here's a clue. Do you know it? You should know it. I don't know why Dion's going out with a high school boy. They're like dogs. You have to clean them and feed them. And they're just like these nervous creatures that jump and slobber all over you. Ew! Get off of me! Ugh! As if! If it's a concussion, you have to keep her conscious, okay? Ask her questions. What's seven times seven? Stuff she knows! Cher, get in here. What's up, Daddy? What the hell is that? A dress. Says who? Calvin Klein. It looks like underwear. Go upstairs and put something over it. Yeah, I was just <laughs> going to. Hey, you. Anything happens to my daughter, I got a 45 and a shovel. I doubt anybody would miss you. Hi, Daddy. This is my friend Ty. Get out of my chair. If you haven't figured it out, the movie is clueless. You're welcome. I'll let this, I'll let this play out for your enjoyment. Hey, James Bond. In America, we drive on the right side of the road. I am. You try driving in platforms. Look, I gotta get back to school. Uh, wanna practice parking? What's the point? Everywhere you go has valet. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, so another cultural icon, that movie. I mean, a young Paul Rudd, a young Lisey Silverstone. People try and compare that movie to Mean Girls. Mean Girls is a great movie, but I don't really think it encapsulates a decade as much as this one did. Sorry. Now, we could sit and talk about this more, or we could move on to some other songs, but I don't know, I, I just... hit in the 90s. Dawson's Creek, also a huge hit in the 90s. I don't want to wait. All right. You know, so back to one-hit wonderdom. Um, a lot of these one-hit wonders were weird songs sung by weird bands from weird places. For example, I mean, this came out when I was back in the fifth grade, and it was weird as hell then. It's even weirder now. I'm Bizarre. I did. I will say my favorite color was and is blue. So when I was in the fifth grade, I figured, hey, I have to like that song. Don't have a choice. Uh, speaking of weird one-hit wonders from bands that don't originate here in America.
We were all pissing the night away, weren't we? Great. But the novelty weird songs were not limited to foreigners. I'm a Bobby girl in the Bobby world. Life in plastic. It's fantastic. You can brush my hair. Undress me everywhere. Imagination. Life is your creation. Come on, Barbie. Let's go party. And then occasionally, the novelty songs from weird bands that we heard of never ever again could actually be pretty good and kind of musical. Once there was this kid who got into an accident and caught and come to school, but when he finally came back, his I turned from black into bright white He said that it was from when the cars had smashed so $64,000. Can you name that band? Nope. Crash Test Dummies. Here in the 90s, here for that one song, and gone. What's ever happened to them? Who knows? I can tell you this. Uh, Chumba Wumba, the band behind Tub Thumping, I get knocked down, but I get up again. You ain't ever gonna keep me down. They recent, I think they broke up in 2012. 2012? What the hell were they doing between 1999 and 2012? Don't ask me, I have no idea. All right. Moving right along. So those are one-hit wonders. I feel like all the best songs in the 90s were one-hit wonders, okay? Now, I want to get to a movie song, but uh, it's late in the 90s, so I'm going to hold off. Here is a great song. Yes, it was a one-hit wonder, but I, you know, some one-hit wonders are one-hit wonders because... They're like Barbie Girl or Blue Dabu Di Abu Dai. They're novelty songs. They're popular for their beats, but also just their weirdness. And then there are some one-hit wonders that are great songs, and I don't really know why the artist never had another hit. Here's one of them. A huge hit in the 90s and really a good song.
there, I will be with you. Donna Lewis, wherever you are, wherever you may be, we love you, we miss you, and we'll love you always forever. This next song doesn't just represent a huge artist from the 90s, but an epic film, a cultural phenomenon that really, to this day, is so has such a lasting effect. Funnily enough, this is not the first time this song, or at least in part, has been heard right here on The Next Best Thing, because we recently did a show on film music, and this could not have not been played in that. Oh yes, you'll know it. You know, I had to say, in the 90s, Céline Dion was queen. Céline Dion, according to her, she's always queen. She is the best singer in the world. She is great, but the 90s were really... They were Celine's. Because you loved me, it's all coming back to me now. If you want it the most, there's no easy way out. She had some huge hits in the 90s, but they all pale in comparison to this.
the magic of Celine Dion. Oh, that was gorgeous in that. So Titanic came out in 1997. Obviously, that song came out in 1997. But I really think that that movie, that epic, that whole phenomena, that song, they pretty much took up 1997, 98, and 99, and probably the beginning of 2000. Yeah, worth it. Worth it. Worth it. Great movie, great song, great singer, great decade. I forgot one one-hit wonder. One, two, three, four, five. Everybody in the car, so come on, let's ride to the liquor store around the corner. The boys say they want some gin and juice, but I really don't wanna. All right, that's enough. Can't take any more. But that was Lou Bega's Mambo Number no. Five. What the hell was up with that? Where did he come from, and where did he go? How? Really, I can't, can you think of another song or performer who rose so quickly and faded so fast? I certainly can't. All right, one-hit wonders. Any other one-hit wonders? I mean, Ace of Bass, they had the sign, but they also had, they had some other hits. I mean, they had this, that whole album was pretty popular. I don't even know what that other song was called. But they all sounded the same, but they were, in fact, different. Um, I always thought that... Uh, MC Hammer was kind of a one-hit wonder, you know, because I figured if I was sitting thinking of his songs, all I could think of was this. You can't touch this. You know, he hit. You can't touch this. Oh, yeah, okay. What else did he say? You can't touch this. Okay, uh-huh. Oh, baby, uh-huh. You can't touch this. That came out in 1990. I was like two. So, but everyone knows that song. I thought that was his only hit. Wrong. He also sang, too legit. Too legit to quit. Hey, hey, too legit. You know, it's like he was here. It's like he was here, folks. So that's the bulk of the music for the most part of the 90s. 90, 91, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7-ish. All right. By 1998, the airwaves and the music scene were pretty much taken over by mm, five entities. Two of them soloists the other three groups i'm gonna give you three seconds to think of who they are oh you don't even need three seconds i'm talking of course about the backstreet boys in sync christina aguilera britney my girl britney and oh boy who else could i be talking about <laughs> Yo! The Spice Girls. People of the world, spice up your life. Every boy and every girl, spice up your life. People of the world, spice up your life. I should have played that song, but I think that song might have come out in the year 2000. And I'm not going to cheat here. I'm not going to cheat. 
God, there are so many great songs from the 90s that I wish I could have had time to play, like this one. So that song is called Tom's Diner. It's is by Suzanne Vega. Quick little fun fact for you. Um, that song... Tom's Diner is written about Tom's Restaurant, not Tom's Diner. There's no Tom's Diner. It's actually called Tom's Restaurant. It's here in New York City, way uptown, near the Columbia University campus. If you ever see it, you'll recognize it immediately because the exterior of Tom's Restaurant was used for the exterior shots of the restaurant used in Seinfeld, another 90s hit. So that's a little fun fact about Tom's Diner and Suzanne Vega. Man, another song I wish I had had time to play. No one would think of this song when thinking of the 90s or music in general, but this was a 90s hit, and I'll never forget it because on my 12th birthday, and I know everyone, I'm sure everyone listening cares so much about this, but on my 12th birthday, I had the first, you know, mixer, boy-girl party in my grade. Yes, I was a real trendsetter again. But it was so much fun because it was the first time that people threw their hair to the wind, let their hair down, and just had fun, danced. It was like we were drunk, but we weren't because we were 12. And the most fun we had dancing came to this song. Suit Riot by Cherry Poppin' Daddies. Nostalgia, folks, nostalgia. All right, so we talked about the five entities that took over the 90s music scene. We heard from one of them, the Spice Girls. Let's hear from another one. I think you'll recognize them, the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. You are my fire. The one desire So Backstreet Boys were really like the original, well, no, 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 that's not true. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I guess the original 90s boy band, obviously New Kids on the Block came before them and so on and so forth. But 
they certainly came before this next group called In Sync. It's tearing up my heart when I'm with you. I just have to say, this might be one of the worst songs that In Sync ever uh, put out as a single. But the fact of the matter is, I did my research, and all their really good songs came out in the year 2000 or after. And this is called I Love the 90s, and I'm an honest person. So, tearing up my heart it is. That's all we have time for because we got to get to the queens of the pop 90s, the 90s pop. There were two of them. You know who they were. And you either picked one or the other. You had to pick a side. You couldn't be a fan of both. Really quickly, isn't that interesting on that song, which really was NSYNC's first hit single, Tearing Up My Heart. It kind of it just reminded me that originally Justin Timberlake was not the star. He was not even the lead singer. J.C. Chavez, or whatever the guy's name is, he was really thought of to be the best-looking and the best singer. And they put him front and center for the most part, and that slowly changed over time, as we all witnessed. Uh, very interesting. And now what does J.C. do? No one knows, no one cares. All right, here's queen number one. That was Christina Aguilera, obviously. And here's the um, more appealing one, Britney Spears, with her first big hit.
All right, folks, this has been I Love the 90s here on The Next Best Thing right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. I've been your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, and I'm your host every Monday night from 10 to midnight. Uh, Let me explain what I meant when I said, and the more appealing one was Britney Spears. Uh, Like I said, Britney and Christina showed up on the scene pretty much at the exact same time. Christina has the better voice, no question about it. She's the better singer. She has the better voice. Uh, She's just as pretty, really. But Britney is not just pretty. She had the sex appeal, and she dances like, I don't know, she was just, she was way more appealing to me, and so I joined Team Britney, and I never got off that boat. All right, if you like what you hear and you want to support us, in particular this show, go to rfb.nyc slash nbt. That's rfb.nyc slash nbt. Scroll down, hit sponsor this show, and donate however much you possibly can or want to, and it would mean so much to us. We are fully dependent on listener support, so it really would mean a lot to us. A lot to me, a lot to everyone here at the station. To close out tonight, I'm going to finish it off with not one of my favorite songs from the 90s, but really... One of my favorite songs of all time. It means a lot to me and it always will. Thanks for listening tonight and until next week, stay happy, stay healthy, much love, and goodbye. Another turning point, a fork stuck in the road Time grabs you by the wrist, directs you where to go So make the best of this test and don't ask why It's not a question but a lesson learned in time It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right I hope you had the time of your life So take the photographs and still frames in your mind Hanging on a shelf in good health and good time Tattoos and memories and dead skin on trial For what it's worth, it was worth all the while It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right I hope you had the time of your life But in the end it's right I hope you had the time of your life It's something unpredictable But in the end it's right I hope you had the time of your life